Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. So that'll probably help us with other prisons, even getting our foot more and so in the door. <clears throat> Amen. So First uh, Corinthians 12, verse, uh, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read them all as it has been. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but of the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all, and to one is given by the spirit, the word of wisdom to another, the word of knowledge. Those things were in operation this past weekend. I'm telling you, in my life, it happened, no doubt. When praying with these ladies, it's just amazing what God does and speaks into you and gives you unction concerning uh, them. To another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally, severally as he will. Again, I'm going to talk tonight about the power gifts. As I give, I, I'm, I'm projecting that maybe another, at most two more weeks probably in this, and we'll be able to put a little pin in it and said we had been there and done that. Amen. But uh, we want to see what the Spirit would speak and what the Word of God would say tonight. God, I need you, Jesus, this evening. I pray, God, for a visitation of heaven, God, upon us, Lord, in this Bible study tonight. I pray, O oh Lord, today that you would open up our thoughts and our understanding. God, open our spirits. God, to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, Lord Jesus, and even in this place this evening. I know, God, that you're able, Lord, to do great things. God, that is no doubt. Lord Jesus, I've seen it time and time again, experienced it in my own life, in the life of others. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, that you would help us, Lord Jesus, in this journey. God, of looking at your word concerning the gifts of the Spirit. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. So up to this time, we've kind of given an introduction and looking at the revelation gifts, what we've called revelation gifts. Can anybody name all three revelation gifts? Pop quiz. Or at least one of them. Word of wisdom. She's looking at her notes. But that makes me feel good that you took notes. Uh, word of wisdom. Any other, anybody else? Another one? What? Word of knowledge. Word of knowledge. One more dangling out there. Sister Tasha's trying to, trying to reach back into the corridors of her mind. Anybody? Discerning of spirits, discerning of spirits. And so tonight we're going to look at the power gifts. And the three, and I know that seems like, well, these are the power. Not powerful, just power. Power gifts. But they're powerful too, but just put them under that kind of category name because it's, 
it's uh, things that evidently have visible visible occurrences, such as gifts of healing or working of miracles or the gift of faith. And just like the last group of gifts that we worked with, uh, how they worked seemingly very well together, especially word of wisdom and word of knowledge, these gifts in particular seem to overlap and work and complement one another very well uh, too. Uh, it's evident that these power gifts do the same. Uh, for If there's going to be gifts of healing, it, it, it almost seems like a no-brainer that there's going to be a gift of faith in operation or if there's going to be a work in the miracles, there'll be some uh, gift of faith in uh, operation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so there are places throughout the Scripture, you know them probably just as well as I know them, where these power gifts have been in operation. You have read throughout New Testament Scripture, Old Testament Scripture for that matter, where there have been healings taking place, supernatural miracles that have occurred, or uh, perhaps where people even in the Word of God have exhibited extraordinary, extraordinary faith or faith that would be consistent with the gift of faith. And so considering, first of all, tonight, the power gift of faith I would like to look at, and the word faith in general, whenever you read through scriptures, when you find the word faith, it may be a little bit ambiguous in terms because it's used a couple different ways. Number one, whenever you read concerning the faith or faith, it may be referring to a set of doctrines or dogmas that uh, the early church you know, invested themselves in or believed. But in another area or in another sentence or paragraph, uh, faith might be talking about that belief or that trust that we have in God. Not only that, you go to Galatians 5, and this is one of those areas where the gifts and the fruits kind of go hand in hand. There is a fruit of the Spirit called, you know, the fruit of faith. And then we have, of course, in our scripture reading tonight, 1 Corinthians 12, that one of the gifts of the Spirit is also faith. Jesus, in the New Testament scripture, he, he asked on a bow or with his disciples, he asked, how is it that you have no faith? We read in one of the harmony of the Gospels that's along that very same story of him being on the boat that he asked a similar question or from the viewpoint of another writer that the Lord said, where is your faith? There's times that the Lord made um, differences or announcements about the amounts or levels of people's faith. Sometimes he talked about people having little faith. He talked about, in another place, a woman having such great faith. But we know according to God's word of Romans 12 and verse number 3 that God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. We have all been dealt unto us the measure of faith. So we do have faith to a certain degree or to a certain measure. Even at one place in Scripture, one place uh, the disciples even said to Jesus, this was their plea to him, Lord, increase, increase our faith. But his basic response to them was this. He's not like, okay, I'll take care of that. You know, tomorrow night we'll take care of that. We're going to increase your faith. That wasn't his response. His response to them was this. What you need to do is basically utilize your faith. They're asking for it to be increased. He says, utilize your faith. Again, each one of us, we have the measure of faith. Uh, brother, doctor, or not doctor, but Reverend uh, David Bernard, he defines the gift of faith as this, as the supernatural ability 
to trust God or to inspire trust in God for a particular need or circumstance. I believe that is a very good definition of the gift of faith. The Bible tells us the story, a place where we see this in operation in Scripture. It tells the story that Jesus saw the faith of the four that bore the man that was sick of palsy. You remember the story. They come to the location where Jesus is at. The house is full. Seemingly no more room for even another individual to make it into the place where he was. The Bible says these four men that were burying this man with, that was sick of a palsy, that they uncovered basically the roof or the place where Jesus was, and they let down that sick man to exactly where Jesus was teaching. And they had such faith that Jesus could heal that man and he would send him away, amen, healed of his palsy. The, but look at this for a moment, though, folks. These people went to great lengths to ensure that they got this sick man to Jesus. Uh, uh, this, this is not people coming to the same, well, the house is full. I guess we're going to have to come back next Wednesday. Uh, these are people that went to great lengths to the place that they were willing to uncover the roof to get this man to where Jesus was. Why do you think? Evidently, they had faith that if they could get him to intersect the path of the Lord, something was going to happen. Something was going to take place. Also, we read in Scripture, remember the lady with the issue of blood who had it for how long? Twelve years. You all do read your Bible. For twelve years, she had the issue of blood. She operated, I believe without doubt, with the gift of faith because the Bible says that she said within herself, if I may but touch... The, his garment, I shall be made whole. She didn't even say he has to, he, he has to lay his hands on me. She didn't say that. She said, if I can just touch, I didn't know I touch his flesh. If I can just touch the him, his garment, I shall be made whole. Gift of faith, amen, not only for her own healing, but her gift of faith or her exercise in her faith was an inspiration that heightened faith for others. Because we see others with similar dilemmas of disease and sickness and illness. Now, because this woman said, you know what? Untouch his garment. Boom, and it can happen. There were others then as a result of her first doing that. Now, the Bible says in Matthew 14 and verse 35, And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, that's Jesus, they sent into all the country round about and brought to him all that were diseased. This is after the lady with the issue of blood thing. And besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. As many as touched were made perfectly whole. Now, do you think that they may have done that had it not been for this precedent set with this woman who first charted the path with her faith and said, I'm just going to get a hold of him, and if I do, something's going to happen. That inspired faith. The gift of faith inspired faith in others. You know what they were thinking probably in their mind? If it happened for her, what keeps it from happening for me? And so he, Jesus steps on the board and all the sick people are out there and they're not worried about him touching them. They just want to just try to grab the hem of his garment because he did it before. And as old Sister Sizemore used to sing, he can do it again, friend. A gift of faith. So it's not just about something taking place in your life that denotes the gift, but it might be something that you do or something that happens with you 
that builds or inspires faith in other people that is around about you. Amen. You can feel it, folks. You know, many of you have felt it. You understand what I'm talking about. You have been in services when the gift of faith overall just rises in a service. You have felt almost like someone just throwing the switch and there's just something come in the room. And all of a sudden, it's like, you know, you're ready to take on a lion, a bear. Anything could happen. Someone, you know, 10 people could get the Holy Ghost. Every sickness that's in the place could, be, you know, you just feel that sometimes in the service. All of a sudden, it's just like, whoom, like anything is possible right now in this place. Amen. That's an awesome feeling. That is the gift of faith that's entering a house. Amen. I'm telling you. I, I believe, Sister McGee, that the gift of faith oftentimes operates in our prison services. Amen. There's such a faith, such an inspiring presence for those inmates to trust in a God that some of them may not have no idea about so that whenever they come forward, you know what they do? Boom, they receive the Holy Ghost. I believe there's a gift of faith in that. That there just comes that inspiration, that, that belief that, that God can do, wants to do, will do for them exactly what we've been up there talking to them about that he can do. Amen. Gift of faith uh, enters that place. As a matter of fact, just this past weekend, one of the men that's in the prison that went to prison with us, uh, Brother David Ivy, he's part of the core team. He was telling me this past weekend about three inmates in a row that came forward for prayer in his line. And he, he would go through and tell them, instruct them concerning repentance. And he said, Brother McGee said, I never had it. He was so excited. He said, I never had it. It happened like this before. He said, but I'd tell them about repentance. They would repent. He said, and then I would tell each one. He talked to each one. He said, I would tell them to lift their hands and thank God for the Holy Ghost. He said, and I didn't even get my hand on their head. And they were speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. That, my folks, I believe is a product of a gift of faith that's being exercised within a church service in an atmosphere. Hallelujah. And we need that operating in our church. So that when people come forward, we're not cross-armed singing, yeah, they'll probably have to come back five times before it happens for them. No, but you need to believe that God is true to his word and he can do what he needs to do just in that moment. Amen. Hallelujah. He said it was just awesome. And so we was rejoicing and so happy about it, what God, amen, had, had been doing. Uh, I know that even sometimes uh, I've witnessed in services, you has as well, it's happened right here in this church house, that uh, sometimes during the message or after a message on the subject matter of giving, seen it happen that things shift it's just like something happens and all of a sudden it seems like we we oftentimes say well you know the spirit of giving just hit and all of a sudden we take up an offering it's like Pew. i mean people start getting back where their secret money is and digging out moldy money and everything else throwing it down at the altar god you know just giving giving unto the lord we've had services like that right here preach preach message give message you know share stories maybe how god has done things in our own life about giving and then all of a sudden at the end of that service take up an offering and it's like it just starts man happening people start giving think man that's a spirit of giving but in reality it's a gift of faith it's a gift of faith that's in operation because people believe and they have faith that if they will give the amount that god has laid up on their heart 
Although they don't see how in the world that they're supposed to give this amount. They believe that they follow the prompting of the Spirit, the prompting of God. That God will take care of them and their needs. And he's not ignorant about what they've given in the moment. We call it a spirit of giving. But in reality, it's a gift of faith. Amen. We've had it, we've had it happen here. We've probably had it happen at every church we've ever been in. You remember years ago at the middle church, we was wanting those two lots back there. Man, a gift of faith popped up in that building. We had over $10,000 before the end of the night. Yeah. Just a bunch of peons out on the backside of Kingsburg. $10,000 in no time, a gift of faith. Here in this building, since we've been here, Brother Mason was unemployed. I think uh, uh, the McGee family over here had all the doctor bills that are mounted up. And we brought in some money to be able to separate between the two of them at the end of a message on giving. In just a short time, a gift of faith came down. Amen. And people trusted the Lord for whatever was going to happen. Amen. The prompting that they felt in their spirit. Amen. That's a gift of faith. If anybody has even just stood up, you know, in a situation... Whatever it may be, it could be sickness, it could be financial, it could be a myriad of things. And just say and speak, you know what? I just feel like everything's going to be all right. Now, I'm not talking about a gift of knowledge that there's been some divine impartation to them that, yes, absolutely, tell them everything's going to be all right. But you just feel. You have a propensity just to feel. You have faith that everything. Is going to be our, although all the odds are turned against the situation or against you. And you just say, everything's going to be all right. And you're not just saying that to give a little platitude to try to sand paper off the edges, you know, of what's going on. No, you just do it because you are convinced. You're convinced in your spirit. It's going to be all right. You might have had some of the own, your own whirlwinds in your life. Some, you know, how in the world are you at peace? I just feel like everything's going to be. What is that? That's the gift of faith. Amen. A gift of faith just to be trust and be able to totally rely on God when everything else around you is saying, bad, 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 bad. But you're saying, it's going to be okay. Amen. And so by faith, you, you speak it. By faith, you believe it. And you know what? Everything turns out okay. Amen. Now, faith on any level is very important. Amen. We don't want to uh, minimize the measure of faith that's been given to us all if you don't operate in the gift of faith. Faith on any level is very important. The Bible tells us that God told us in Hebrews that without faith it is impossible to please God. However, I think it is also important this evening to denote that faith, this is important, faith, the gift of faith, either or, does not replace obedience. Yeah. In Matthew 7, Jesus spoke of a day that will come where there would be some that will say, he said in that hour, we cast out devils in your name, we prophesied in your name, we did many works in your name. What? We exercise faith to use your name for all these myriad and different things. But he said, but if you do all these things and you're not obedient, he said, then you won't enter into the kingdom of God. So it's one thing to exercise the gift of faith or faith at any level. But faith 
at any level, even the gift of faith, does not replace obedience unto the Lord. We still need to be obedient unto the Lord. Now, faith, the gift of faith, is very instrumental then with the other two power gifts, that of healings and that of the working of miracles or the gifts of healing and the working of miracles. James 5 and verse number 15 tells us this. In the prayer of, I want to fill in the blank. What? Faith. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Jesus said to different ones throughout the New Testament, he would say, according to your faith, be it unto you. At another place, he said, thy hath made thee whole. So faith, just even the subject matter of faith, it's very instrumental to the healings and the miracles. Dead people have been brought back to life when it was impossible for the dead person to have faith for themselves. But somewhere in that scenario, there was some faith being exercised somewhere, whether it be the one that was praying or whether it was uh, an atmosphere of faith that we have oftentimes feel come into a place like that. Faith is somewhere. The Bible says in Acts 14 and verse number 8, Acts 14 and verse number 8, and there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak who steadfastly beholding him and perceiving that he had faith to be healed. So this is, this is Paul speaking in the area where a man that is a cripple, lame in both of his feet, was, and the Bible says, as Paul spake, that he beheld this cripple and perceived that he had faith to be healed. And verse 10 says, said with a loud voice, stand up on thy feet. You can almost hear the authority. And he leaped. And walked. There's probably people that weren't crippled that maybe leaped and walked over that statement, you know. <laughs> Sometimes those authoritarian voices that come forth in demonstrations like that, it almost make you too. But nevertheless, this man that was a cripple stood up. He leaped and walked. Now, there are several things I think that's happening just in these three verses. Amen. For our learning, that's a demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit within these three verses. Number one, Paul has discerned the spirit of faith in a crippled man. He perceived that he had faith to be healed. He discerned a spirit, a spirit of faith in the crippled man. The crippled man exercises his gift of faith by responding when Paul commanded him to stand up. And folks, you'll see this over and over again in Scripture. You can read it. Read the New Testament over and over again. Many times when God does his healing or his miracle, you'll see it. God will require of the one with the, the, the malformity, whatever it is, to do something that they would not normally be able to do with their condition. You see it. You see it time and time again. He'll ask the lame to walk. Mm -hmm. He'll, yeah. And many times he requires it. Because what happens? Even the attempt is a operating of faith. If you were in such a condition, if you, Sister Angie, if you were in such a condition that you could not raise your 
elbow off of your side and you couldn't go any further than this. And someone prayed for you and felt in the Holy Ghost that God had healed you and then said, I want you to raise your hand all the way up here. And there's going to be two things that either go through your mind. I can't do that. I've always been like this. Or you're going to connect with the faith that's spoken in the moment. And you're going to start raising that thing and it's going to go past the point that you was ever able to go past. It happens all the time. God requires in those moments of miracles, he requires of us to go do. What is that? Well, number one, yeah, it's your act of faith. But look what happens. There's automatically when you take off running and you couldn't before. Boom, explosion of faith just ripples through the building. (sighs) Amen. Just ripples all throughout the building. And so Paul, discerning the spirit, not only that, Paul, I believe, used in the working of miracles then in this moment as well. And so we have several gifts right here just within these three verses that are in operation. Now, we don't, just watch me here carefully. We don't have faith in a healing ministry, okay? And we don't have faith in a man We don't have faith in a certain church or a certain name where the disciples marveled at the fig tree because when they went by it the second day, it was withered up and it cumbered the ground. The disciples marveled because Jesus had cursed that the day before and here it is withered away. Jesus made it quite plain to them in very plain language to his disciples. This is what he said to them because they're marveling at this. He simply said this. Have faith in God. We all know you need to have faith in God. I understand that. But sometimes I think we have misplaced faith. Huh? Sometimes, Sister Jess, I think we have more belief or faith in the person that's doing the praying than we do the God that does the work. Amen. Because, I mean, used to, you know, yeah, you know, I don't want the pastor to pray for me. And now I'm not even out here to pray anymore. Hallelujah. I'm just, but I'm just saying. Or, you know, uh, someone that comes by, well, I want so-and-so to pray for me. Hallelujah. Folks, have faith in God. The old song says, have faith in God. Just have faith in God. You trust in him and never doubt. I know the Lord will work it out. You just have faith in God. Amen. And so that's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples in this moment. They're marveling at this whole thing. He said, have faith in God. Hallelujah. The thing is, there are certain things in our Christian walk and even within the church that I believe help us focus our faith. Focus our faith. Amen. Helpers in focusing our faith. Number one would be a practice that we still carry about today, and that is the use of prayer Praying over there. There's nothing magical about a prayer cloth. You know where some of that stuff comes from? Old hankies. Some old cloth that somebody was going to throw away and just cut that thing up. It don't necessarily have to be white. I know most of ours are, but it don't necessarily have to be white. We give you a black prayer cloth and it can wash you. There's nothing magical about the prayer cloth, but prayer cloths just help focus our faith. Anointing with oil. Yeah, we're told in James to call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil. But in reality, 
this oil that's right here? Olive oil, maybe. Canola oil, vegetable oil. I'm serious. There's nothing magical about this. I don't care if it came from Israel. I'm just being honest, okay? Nothing magical about this. It's just a means of focusing faith. Laying on of hands. Laying on of hands. <laughs> there isn't this. People have gotten healed without hands being laid on. Jesus many times just spoke the word. The woman that was bowed over for all those years, she straightened up. Many times he spoke the word. What, what happened when what, what one of the centurions or someone saying, hey, my servant is sick. He said, I, I can't let you come into my house. He said, just speak the word. Never laid a hand on the guy. He didn't do a long distance Benny hand or nothing. Well, now I'm getting a little hungry. <laughs> but laying on hands many times is a means of focusing your faith. Now, do we have biblical precedence for all these? Absolutely. In the New Testament, parts of, of handkerchiefs, uh, parts of the garments of, of Paul were torn, and they were distributed to the sick. And this always gets me, folks, because this shows me many times maybe where we're living here and not here, that we're given to the sick and the demon-possessed. This is pretty powerful to me. because I read it again this week. And it was sent to them, and people were healed, and then people were the demons went out from a prayer cloth honey that's the type that's the type of that's the type of casting out demon operation man i want to be a part of just send those old dudes a prayer cloth and just yeah because it's god that does it anyway amen and so yeah we have biblical precedence for all this and so people were healed demons and spiritual things of that nature departed as a result of these things oil we have oil all the way back in the old testament I mean, all the way back in the old testament and many times all throughout scripture was a symbolism for the holy spirit or the holy ghost amen so one that was an anointed with or covered by oil was in essence covered by the spirit of god and so again it's a means of focusing our faith when we talk about the laying on of hands again laying on of the hands go all the way back to the old testament times Many times, laying on of hands denoted some type of transfer. As a matter of fact, the old patriarchs like uh, uh, um, Jacob and, and some of them put their hands on their children to bestow blessing upon them from God. So there's some sort of transfer to that person. And so if you make that connection with the Old Testament, the Old Testament teachings, then as a point of, of, of reference for focused faith, then people just have this belief that when hands are laid, there's something going to happen. There's people that I know that operate in the gifts, and they tell people sometimes it's, it builds faith. It really does. Say, so now I'm going to lay my hands on you. When I lay my hands on you, thus and thus is going to happen. It's not them. It's not the hand. But it's a connect point just to know when this happens, I'm just letting you know that is going to happen. It's like boom. It's like whenever you know, could call home and tell my kids whenever I come to the door, I'm going to be whipping your home. Oh, it works. It built faith that they knew it was going to happen when I showed up at the house. <laughs> Maybe not the type of faith you want to build, but you know. Now, another thing is this. The gift of faith 
And I know I've been spending a lot of time on this because I think gifts of healing and miracles, it's kind of all just in this big ball of power gifts right here. The gift of faith isn't only substantiated when a miracle or a healing takes place. The gift of faith may also be substantiated whenever you have your, whenever you have your condition, your sickness and your disease, and you still stay with God and show forth a witness for him. A lot of people don't think about the gift of faith being operation in that type of aspect. But the Bible says, look at it in Hebrews 11, verse 35, the great chapter of faith. You know, by faith, Noah prepared an ark and all these things. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Yeah, that's the gift of faith. Others, though, the Bible says, were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, more, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They weren't saved from their stoning. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. In other words, just as much Noah by faith went to preparing an ark, the same person that went under the blade of being sawn asunder didn't demonstrate any different type of faith than what Noah did. In other words, those who were delivered, that was faith. Those who have to deal with their dilemma and live out their life, that's faith. Either or, it's still faith at work. So I just, I just have, if, if, I, if I did, Lord, I would be healed and my disease would be gone. Well, you know what? The way that God might want the gift of faith to shine in your life is for you to continue with what you have, but then you stay true as a witness to him throughout your life with that. I've seen a lot of people get healed and then backslide on God. What a great testimony to live with a dilemma and stay faithful to God. Amen. So a couple of these other power gifts then that go with faith, of course, gifts of healing. Working in miracles. I'm just going to take a real quick inventory. How many has ever been healed? Healed. Huh? More than once, maybe? Has anybody had a miracle in their life? Anybody had a miracle? There's some hands up here. Miracles. Look at that. See, you all know that. Let's go home. Let's go home. I think these are probably some that we are more acquainted with. Gifts of healing and gifts of miracles. And we know their operation because we see the impact and the effects of their operation. If you've not had it in your own body, then you have witnessed it in someone else's body, or at least you have heard the story of it taking place. I want to approach these two tonight um, somewhat together because sometimes these two, gifts of healing and working in miracles, it's very difficult to label if it is a gift of healing or a work in a miracle that is taking place. I think we'll all agree this evening that a miracle is something that transcends all laws of nature. It's supernatural. Transcends all laws of nature. But whenever we talk about the subject matter of a healing, a healing is a restorative work. It might be restoring something back to the way it was pre in a previous condition, or it could even be hastening the condition of something as if it had time elapsed to actually heal so with you understand what i'm saying the body the body has ability to heal itself right matter of fact a lot of what physicians do is removes the obstacles 
from the body being capable of healing itself, if that makes sense. In other words, I'm saying if, if you have a broken arm and that arm is then reset in a process of time with a cast, you're going to be able to use that arm because the body heals itself. God is such a great God, he put healing within the body. But when I'm talking about then a gift of healing that could take place that brings something more instantaneous that the body would otherwise bring is you having the cast on and us being breaking it off right now and then you being able to use that. That would have happened maybe in eight weeks, but now it's happening right now. And so there's a lot, and I'm not, I'm not saddling one horse on one end or one horse on the other. Uh, some, some people believe in the instances that those things happen that healings can either be gradual or they can be instant with God. There's others that believe that a healing that is an instant is not a healing. It's a miracle. So I don't care what side of the street you stand on. You can call it an instant healing or you can call it a miracle. There's one thing I do know, though. It's the self-same spirit that does. Amen. Amen. So when we talk about miracles and healings through Scripture, listen, folks, you are not lack concerning stories and resources in God's Word concerning miracles and healing in Scripture. Here's something that I would term a miracle. Remember whenever Philip was out in the, the desert of Gaza and he had been talking to uh, the Ethiopian and he was translated, as it were, transported from there to another city? Well, we've not even got modern-day transportation, you know, up to that speed today. Uh, but uh, him being translated, that's a miracle. Another miracle, I mean, bona fide miracle. An angel comes and delivers Paul from prison. It's a miracle. All right. Uh, I believe any time that demons are expelled, that's a miracle. Um, Eutychus is sitting in the third story. He falls out the window. The Bible says he's taken up for dead. But the preacher goes down there and the Spirit of the Lord moves and all you know it. He's going back upstairs to listen to the rest of what the preacher has to say. before it's all, He's brought back to life. Amen. Any, anybody that's dead, that's raised from the dead, that's a miracle in my books, I'm telling you right now. I don't care if people want to start to say, well, in reality, they were just in that comatose state. And, and, and. Hogwash on your fate and coincidence and all that garbage. I know God. Yeah. That's a God thing. That's a God thing. Amen. That's a miracle. Paul, the apostle Paul, uh, they get on the Isle of Miletus and he's getting sticks and he lays it on the fire. The Bible says he's bit. It's known to be a ve venomous snake. He has no effect. Now, I don't think that he sat somewhere and just given himself a little bit of venom every day till he built up, you know, a buffer or immunity to the venom so it wouldn't, no, 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 no. That is a miracle. But we have things that could be called miracles or instant healings, as it were, is sometimes blind eyes being opened, the lame walking, the deaf hearing, mute speaking, lepers that were cleansed and made whole again, especially when there was no known treatment to cure it of that day. Amen. Uh, for our day and even then, people that are infertile having babies. Mm -hmm. Cancer today, no cancer tomorrow. Tumor in body, tumor not in body. Have the x-rays to prove it. We're talking about uh, Joe, your son, because he had those uh, cancer cells or such in his lungs and stuff, right? He still has the places the tumors or whatever, what it appears to be, they just don't grow. He has the evidence that it was there, but it's not endangering. 
Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Right? <laughs> Unique. You call it whatever you want to call it. That's okay. Amen. Awesome. So things like that happen over and over again. We, we, we've all heard them. We've maybe some have even experienced them. You know, car wreck should have killed you. How many of you walked up on, you know, even Brother Fred? They should be dead, but they escaped with just minimal scratches. That's God. The Bible calls it, in 1 Corinthians 12, it calls it gifts of healing. It's the only gift listed, put in the plural, gifts of healing. Because when you speak of gifts of healing, it pertains to perhaps different conditions and also that the healing may come about by different ways. So it's gifts of healing. Not only that, it could relate not just, we think of healing, sometimes we only think of physical. But there's the psyche, the, 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 the mental healing that can take place as well. For that matter, there is spiritual That, that can take place as well. I want to share a story that uh, I'm aware about and I've heard before, probably from a CD preaching, something like that. Amen. But nevertheless, uh, Brother Morgan, which I've spoken of at times here, but he was going to uh, San Francisco to do a crusade there. And prior to going, Brother T.W. Barnes, which is, uh, had been known in his lifetime as a servant in the office of the prophet, I called him up and he told him, he said, Brother, Brother Morgan, he said, God is going to do some tremendous healings in this crusade in San Francisco. He said, particularly, God is going to do some tremendous healings of diabetes. He stated in particular. You even find sometimes uh, God uses people in the gifts of healings certain areas. You remember whenever Mike Wilson was here and talking about how God used him concerned to be able to speak to infertile couples and he prayed for them. He left and we had like two pregnancies. I don't know what went on with him. <laughs> but anyway, that, that happens. Sometimes maybe God uses someone for cancer. God uses someone for this or that. It just seems it's almost like having specialists, specialists, specialties uh, in, 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 in the field of the gifts of the spirit, I guess, of, of healing. But nevertheless, he said there's going to be tremendous healings of, of diabetes. And so there were three ministers that went early to uh, this week-long crusade they went early to pray in the city streets and so on and so forth prior to the crusade and uh, they went there and after doing so one of the ministers uh, he, uh, he had stated their names but uh, one of the ministers had went back to his room and whenever he went back to his room he felt like God had spoke to him and said uh, why are you keeping something I didn't give you and the minister was like what Lord he says diabetes this minister had diabetes he says well Lord if you didn't give it to me I don't want it he said he fell on the floor instantly, and God healed him with sugar diabetes. He's so excited about it. He went over across the hallway to another minister that went on this little prayer adventure. 
And he started testifying to him about what God had just told him and what just happened. And upon hearing the testimony of that man, unknownst to that minister, this minister had diabetes as well. Fell on the floor. From that moment forward, no more diabetes. Well, that week, whenever the crusade came, they had over 700 people from all over the world that convened in San Francisco. San Francisco to help with this crusade, uh, do an outreach from all over the world here at this location. And so Brother Morgan, of course, hearing what Brother Barnes had said and respect him as a prophet of God, told them that when you meet anybody in the street that they may express that they have diabetes, he says you pray for them in the moment because God has told us that there's going to be tremendous healings of diabetes instantly all over this place. And so they did that just as God had instructed them, unknown to them. This, you know, God, he's like, I'll make the cake, put the whipped cream and the cherry on top. Unknown to them, the same week was the National Sugar Diabetes Week and their national conference, and it was being held in San Francisco where they were having their convention. And then Morgan says, I got emails, stacks upon stacks, and reports all over of the number of people from that week that was healed of diabetes. Now, I know sharing that could be very sensitive with this congregation because of people that have diabetes here in our church. But I will say this, though we are Christians and and God is able to heal, that does not exempt any of us from sickness or disease. And as I said earlier, well, Brother McGee, why doesn't God heal me? I don't have an answer for you. God doesn't ask me before he heals anybody if it's okay. I, I, I don't have that. I don't know. I'm not God. He's sovereign, and I am not. He doesn't have to answer me or explain to me. He's God. But that doesn't exempt any of us. Just because God is a healer and we serve him and we're good Christians, that doesn't exempt any of us from disease, terminal disease, sickness, or any of that. The fact of the matter is this, folks. We still live, although we're Christian in the Holy Ghost field, we still live in real mortal bodies in a fallen world. All right? Now, there are a few things I do know. And that is this. Paul even said in 2 Timothy 4.20, he said, Trophimus, I have left the Miletus sick. Paul was instrumental in a lot of healings in people's lives and miracles. But you know what he says? I had to leave Trophimus and Miletus sick. You know what he said? Couldn't heal him. It didn't happen for him. No doubt Paul's desire was there. It didn't happen. Why? It must not be God's will for whatever God's divine purpose is in that. I know not. But God always has a purpose. It's not purposeless. God always has a purpose. And so here's Paul. He's been instrumental in things, been used of God, but it doesn't happen there. And I'm, I'm not, please understand. God is, you know, God's business is up to God. God's business is up to God. And if healing doesn't take place in this life, I am granted according to his word and assured that it will take place in the next life. Amen. Sometimes, and listen to me, and I'm just walking through this a little bit. Everybody okay? Some, wow, time's really went by. Sometimes sickness, and please follow me all the way through. Don't check out at the end of the statement, okay? Sometimes sickness results from sin. Sincerely. The Bible says in John 5 and verse number 14, the man that was 38 years at the pool who was impotent, the Bible says, 
whenever Jesus, you know, he's saying, if I had a man to put me in, you know, whoever's first in the water would be me. He said, I have no man. Anyway, he tells him, finally, take up your bed and walk, and he does. Verse 14 says, afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and saith unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come up, up unto thee. Almost caused the relationship between that his sickness was resulted from some type of sin in his life. That can happen. In a very literal sense, let's just get practical. In a very literal sense, sickness results from sin in our lives when we abuse our bodies. With substances and indulgences that bring disease upon ourselves. You know, right? So people that... Uh, continuously smoke, you know, we're not all that surprised when lung cancer and emphysema come into the picture. Or constantly drink where cirrhosis of the liver may show up. Huh? So there's a just practical way where sickness can be tied to sin. Can I say this? I, I feel like I'm walking on eggshells right now. Can I say that we need to be careful not to plead with God to take care of something that we're capable of being responsible for. Does that make sense? It's like, you know, the person says, God, take away this emphysema, Lord. I'm serious, folks. There are people in the real world wanting God to intervene on something that they're not helping. So, you know, you can't, let's put it in just mind, you know, you can't go out and get a loan for a house that is beyond your means and this, just say you're going to believe that God's going to come through for you and make sure that you have the money every month to pay the bill. That's not faith. That's stupidity. You say, well, I'm going to do this. God said he'd take care of his people, folks. That's stupid. That is stupid. We can't neglect our responsibility, amen, to, to, to respect the laws of nature and economics and society and all those other things. We cannot do that. Sometimes, I didn't leave you hanging, sometimes sickness is for the glory of the Lord. The Bible says, John 9, verse number 2, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did, this? Who did sin? Speaking of the blind man, this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither. Have this man sinned? nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Can you imagine that God allows sickness to come in your life just so he can heal you so he can get the glory? Sometimes that's the way it works. But here's another thing we need to think of, and I think this, this has happened to people perhaps sitting here. If not, it may happen. Since many times healings are gradual, may not take place in the moment, but it's a day-by-day -day thing. Newsflash, don't believe the lies of the devil. When you leave and claim your healing, and then the devil tells you day two and day three that you're not healed because you're still experiencing many of the same symptoms that you were prior to that prayer. Well, you say that, Brother McGee. Have you ever seen... These tree, tree trimmers come around and cut down a tree, and though the tree is cut down, the leaves on it are still green. Because it takes time 
before they start to turn color, wilt up, and look dead. Normally it takes some time for that to happen. They may continue to be green for several days, but that doesn't remove the fact the tree's been cut down. Someone say amen. So if I say it like this, don't allow the green leaves to convince you that the tree isn't cut down. Don't allow the lingering symptoms to cause you to believe that you were not healed. Huh? You might still have that ache in that place for a few more days, but you wake up every day and you take that step in pain and say, I am healed. Someone say amen. I need to shut up. Stand with me. Miracles. Andrew McBroom, part of a miracle. Years ago, Santa Claus camp. Everybody's leaving. They're going home in a 1988 Chrysler LeBaron red convertible. Dale is driving. Andrew and his cousin sitting there. They fell asleep. They're, they're behind their dad. His dad's looking, looking. Vehicle's not there. Vehicle has flipped in the median that median so happened to be one that wasn't flat that kind of came down to that that v and that curve and all of their heads are in that curved part and those boys walked away from that accident without a scratch working of a miracle and dale says as an after fact he said i didn't eat breakfast this morning because i felt like god told me to fast Again, you've heard me say this one before. A friend of mine, his mama had a huge tumor in her body. Right now, I can't even remember the size of it, but it was quite large and noticeable. They went in to look at the tumor to see if it was benign or if it was malignant. They started looking at the tumor and said, really, you've heard me say this before. They said, sir, it's kind of, it's kind of peculiar. He said, what's really happened here is this lady has a tumor within the tumor. The tumor that is on the inside is malignant. The tumor that wrapped itself around it is benign, keeping the malignancy to get in from the rest of the body. They were able to take out the tumor that's within the tumor and her be cancer-free because a benign tumor wrapped itself around a malignant tumor. Now, nobody can do that but God. Let's raise your hands right now to the Lord and be thankful right now. Father, I love you. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I love you. You are the miracle worker. You are the healer. You are, Lord Jesus, God, the distributor, Lord, of faith. Let faith arise in this house. Let faith arise in this church. Let faith arise in our homes and in our families. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, never give up on being prayed for. Took the one blind man two times to be prayed for before he seen men clearly. Don't give up on it. The prophet had to send the servant seven times before he seen a cloud the size of a man's hand. 
Naaman goes down seven times in water before he's clean. So don't you by no means say, well, it didn't happen two times, so I'm not going back the third or the fourth. You keep going, you keep going, because you don't know. It might be time seven for you or time two for you. or Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes, God, yes, God, yes, God. Hallelujah, I've held you all way, way long. You're dismissing Jesus' name when you want to go. My God, I feel like I'm Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.